Hey everyone, welcome to Saturday Night Popcorn. This is Jason. And this is Kai, and we're we have a great conversation for you today. The movie of the day is Eraserhead. Yes. So this podcast, uh, we talk about movies and and whatever we like about movies. And uh so this week we decided to choose Eraserhead, which is from I believe 1977. Yo, David Lynch. Yeah, it was it was uh, definitely an interesting um, movie to watch. We I watched it yesterday uh, in the nighttime on so, uh, yeah. October twenty eighth. So it was a, a definitely a, a Halloween um, based or like a <laughs> a spooky movie, if you want to say that. <laughs> and I did the same. I didn't want to wait till Saturday morning before we record to watch the movie, so I watched it last night also. It and was, I think we we both yeah we least. we we both had the same reaction. We uh, right when I was done with it, Kai texted me like right afterwards saying, uh, "What what did I just watch?" And it was sort of the same reaction that I had afterwards too. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. <laughs> but uh, but was it? I did. I meant to look it up. Like, was that his first movie? It was. It's funny because. Uh, it, afterwards uh, my my girlfriend patty i watched it with her last night and and we watched it on hbo max we watched the movie and then hbo max had like another like additional video or feature that that you watched or you were able to watch and it explained like the process of filming eraserhead with david lynch and all of the, the actors and actresses in it and uh it I believe it was his first movie and and it was Kai may be shocked to hear this, but they said that it took about five to six years to shoot the entire movie. That has to be a funding issue. It, it, that Patty looked up the, to, yeah, the budget. The, supposedly the budget was ten thousand yeah. dollars for the yeah, I think it was definitely a funding issue because like in that like little like featurette. Uh, they had a lot of it was like, oh, like we have to film tonight, but we don't have any film to film on. <laughs> like, where, where do we get money for for film and stuff? So that was a big issue. Like, is <laughs> I so I can't talk bad about the movie. I, I want to, and I guess we can, but it was to know that that was his first movie. It was kind of like inspirational in a certain sense, like. For someone, because I like to, I guess, dabble in <laughs> photography and, and videography. So to see someone that is at David Lynch's level now to watch his first movie and have the reaction that you and I had, it's kind of like, okay, everyone has to start somewhere. Like, you can't beat yourself up. Like, because Eraserhead is is a cult classic, right? Uh, yeah, supposedly. Like, a like... classic movie. Yeah, it's part of uh, the if you watched on HBO Max. Uh, oh, the Criterion, the, the, right? The HBO, yeah, the HBO Max version is the Criterion Collection, which is yeah. uh, some may, some people may see it as like a vault where like they try to put like very classical and and innovative movies that for the film pleasure of like just knowing that this is a well shot or well filmed movie, and so it is part of the Criterion yeah. Collection. And I think like seeing that logo kind of come on the screen when the movie started and 
I guess, think about like his path to where he's at now and just like a, I can't say a fully household name, but a, a well-known director and writer, it's kind of like, okay, like I said before, like you have to start somewhere. And I guess his first one was a hit. We may not have thought it was a hit, but everyone else did. So he did something right. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely put David Lynch on the map, I guess. It 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 like I took it as like the way the way I ended the film and I wrote it in, in my letterbox review um was it I almost saw it as like I, I also like video games and stuff and video games and like the industry kind of makes these tech demos of like here's what we can do and here's what we can do with these products, these materials and stuff. And it seemed like David Lynch was like here's the money I have and I want to do everything I can and squeeze out as much production and as much as cinematography and filmmaking genius out of $10,000 and like four or five people as their crew. And you kind of saw that where it was like, this is there, there's CGI in it. There's a modeling in it. There's acting. I think like the practicals, the lighting, the lighting. Yeah. And, And so you you get the sense of like this is how david lynch was like i want to be put i want to put myself on the map but i also want to make this project that is like him and let's just do it yeah like you i guess you can see pieces of him within the movie like you know it's his movie in a whole but you can see pieces that he took from in his later films and shows in this (laughs) film and what's funny, it's for myself looking up as uh, his filmography. I've, I think I've, this is the first film I've seen of of David Lynch, uh, or what I've tracked in that app that we use because it only shows that oh, I've watched, uh, uh, yeah, Letterbox, and it it only shows that I watched uh, Eraserhead. But I he goes on to do Dune, uh, Twin Peaks uh, is another. Yeah. It, Twin Peaks is a series or or a movie. I think both. I started the series, watched a couple episodes. Um, he did Mulholland Drive as well, right? Yeah, I've never seen that movie myself either. I've seen bits and pieces. I I was trying to go down a path of let me learn from these great directors. Let me watch all their biggest films. And I end up watching Mulholland Drive. Well, may- maybe that's may- because of that. I was going to say, maybe that's one we can kind of reintroduce ourselves to uh, down the road because I've never seen that movie. Uh, it, it it seems like it, it's a good venture to kind of go down the route of like, here's David Lynch or here's Martin Scorsese and, and here's all these greats of the, the pantheon of, of directors or cinematographers too. Um, yeah. But... But I can ask you this question. What uh, we, the the fun question would be? What didn't you like? But what did you like about this movie? I like the uniqueness of it. That's probably a safe <laughs> a safe <laughs> response. But um, I liked. Yeah, I like the uniqueness of it. Like going into it, I don't think i watched the trailer like you brought it up i think after our last episode we were talking and you were like hey let's watch this or it might have been a text conversation i don't remember 
So I was like, ah, let me watch the trailer. I think I started the trailer and then turned it off. So I went in kind of not knowing much about the movie. Um and not know what not knowing what to expect. So to kind of sit there and not know what's gonna happen and watch it, it was like, okay, this is a very, very interesting movie. It's not definitely not typical. No, and same here. I, I went in blind. I went in, I think I I I started the trailer and then I, I was like, I'm just gonna end I'm not I'm not gonna watch the entire trailer because I wanna go in blind. But mm-hmm. every time I like search Google, like, oh, like, like movies that you need to watch in your lifetime or movies that are considered cult classics or great, um, Eraserhead always comes up on that list uh, yeah. or on a list like that. And so I was like, I, I've never seen the movie. It's from 1977. It's it's black and white. And it has this this actor or character that has really cool hair in the featurette they said that <laughs> they didn't believe that that uh the eraser head character his hair would be something that many people would want to wear afterwards but they said they started seeing like rock music uh rock stars and different people uh wearing that style of hair and i was like i want i want hair like his <laughs> 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 but it, it it definitely for me i, I think the um uh, the 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 actor that plays Eraserhead or the main character, I think it's it's Jack Ness, uh, um, who also goes on to play in like Dune and Twin Peaks and a lot of like David Lynch style, uh, David Lynch movies. But um, I think his acting as the main character, it's like this awkward like person that's going through life and has this like odd series of events happen. And it's like, yes. you kind of see yourself, you kind of imprint your own kind of like self onto him where it's like, would this be my reaction? I think so. I think just like <laughs> seeing as to like how everything kind of comes about. Uh, and, and in, in the movie there, there's the, like the main point of the story is that there, there's this child who is, is a child. And, and so, and, and it's, it, but is not a traditionally looking uh looking like a child and stuff. It looks more alien like and everything and yeah and uh and it's the the way they interact with with this child and have this like odd series of events. I think his the like eraser head when you search eraser head, it's a lot of the close ups of the main character's face in, in like terms mm-hmm. of like the iconic scenes and everything and uh, especially the end of the movie where it's like the close-up of his face or his like upper torso with like all the sprinkles behind him and everything and all like the dust. I think that's something I've seen quite a bit in like searching movies or even searching a razor head. That may be one of the images that pops up first. Um, But I think his acting, his facial, and there's not a lot of um, scripts that are lines that a lot of these actors or actresses say there's not a, there's a lot of silence. And like the the yeah. first like fifteen minutes of the film, it almost reminded me of uh, of uh, uh, there will be blood with uh, uh, Daniel oh. Day Lewis, yeah. where like you know how like the first fifteen minutes of the opening, it's like silent. It's there's like no noise. Was well, even and, Dunkirk is like that. It's just a lot of silence, and you just have yeah. to like feel everything, and you're just like, ugh. Yeah, and it it this one definitely it makes you feel awkward it, it that's that's sort of like the feeling that i get from it yeah you just feel weird because <laughs> that was that was actually one of my questions like was 
I was thinking, do you need more dialogue? Because a lot of it was silence. Like you have to kind of give your own interpretation to or give your own explanation to certain things that occur in the movie because there's no explanation. It's kind of like, oh, hey, here's this, here's this. And you're scratching your head like, well, why does this lady have such big cheeks? And why is she not in the house? She's kind of in some alternate place. Yeah. Yeah, I was confused by different things that occurred here. And, and granted, I'm taking this from that featurette too, where like they also talked yeah. about that, where like a, a lot of the like even the main actors and actresses um, were like, "What's the point of?" They asked David, and they were like, "What's the point of the movie?" And there, David was like, <laughs> "It's it's to the audience to figure that out." And, and and it almost it almost does seem like that that's the style of the movie that he created, where it's like, mm-hmm. "Let's put things out there." It's a it's a random series of events, but like you said, with the little dialogue that happens you start to like fathom in your head like what what's going on in Eraserheads um or the main characters Henry I believe is, is is his name in the movie like what's going on in his head what's going on in the head of the 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 neighbor next door yep. uh the the wife that ends up birthing this this child and and uh has a tough time kind of like just managing that like dealing with they're them. they're the parents of this child and and uh so you you do you kind of like spin this web of stories in your head where it's like even as you're watching it like i think that's sort of the same thing that i i kind of came out of the the end of the movie where you couldn't you were very confused it was very odd yeah. but you couldn't stop looking at it <laughs> yes like i definitely have more questions than answers like all the plant there were no pots there was a yeah. bunch of plants in the movie but no pots yeah there was a lot of like close-ups of like straw and dirt and stuff yeah and even on his like night nightstand next to him he has like a big old mound of dirt with a twig sticking out of it <laughs> <laughs> i didn't understand like there's a scene when he well henry i don't want to call him Eraserhead. when henry meets i guess his in-laws they're going mm-hmm. to the in-laws house they're speaking to one another and then his wife goes into some like weird shake and the mother has to help her uh she's brushing her hair and everything and yeah yeah that just even the mom does that too the mom kind of does that later in that scene at the the dinner table too where it's sort of like a like a odd reaction yes the whole the and then the dad just smiles at him the whole time too yeah said nothing yeah so it's 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 that's a very interaction what's going on (laughs) very but no explanation just like here's my in-laws hey my wife shakes her father just stares at me it's like what and then you (laughs) you have a child alien baby (laughs) yeah yeah I need some pieces. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh what all right, so so we're kind of getting into like what what possibly like what what didn't you like about about the movie? Um oh actually there was something else I actually liked. Okay. I, I thought I disliked it when I first started watching the movie, but then I realized I actually didn't mind it. I was looking at the way it was shot. And it is definitely the old like 70s, 80s feel where you're 
low budget, you don't have much money. So you're shooting in one place and you're, you have probably have one stage and you probably spin it around, spin the camera around and you have multiple stages to shoot. But I was looking and everything just felt small. Like everything felt close. Like anytime, even if it wasn't a close up, I think because of the size of the, uh, the stage or the room that they were in, everything felt like you were right there in it with him. Like you were kind of going through it as he was going through it. Henry, I should say. Yeah, I got that too, where it's like it 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 feels cramped. And yeah. it, that maybe it's something that like inadvertently you kind of have to build into the story because yes, your resources are very small and you're kind of making do with what you got. Uh but it's not like it's not like in a movie in another movie you definitely think like all right the camera crew is like 10 feet away but they're like super zoomed in for this shot so you feel like you're right there mm -hmm. no you know that the the camera guy is like right in front of henry's face and so you, you kind <laughs> of you you definitely know that like yeah like they're shooting inside of that little room uh a lot of it mm -hmm. I, I i'm assuming that they used other lights to light up the room but you see the differences of like the the practical lighting like the when he turns on the lamp it like lightens yeah. up the 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 room and everything so there there's a lot of that where like the little nuances of like having this small stage but it works there's there it it almost like it, and you wonder like all right like what time period is this too like mm -hmm. in terms of like where like when in in our timeline of life is this shot in but because um, even their style of dress, you can't tell like that could be any period of time. Yeah, he's just wearing a normal suit and everything. Anybody like yeah. it, you walk outside nowadays and you can still find someone that wears a suit every day and stuff. And so mm -hmm. that, that really doesn't give you knowledge as to like what time. And that kind of yeah, no goes context. to the point again where it's like, I guess anybody can watch this and like you can't imprint a certain time period on this. So it's like you can't say like, oh, that's yeah. in the past, or whatever and stuff like no, like this, even though it's black and white, I, like this a lot of this story and like whatever nuances yeah, a can, lot of movies are going back to black and white anyway too it, it it's kind of nice it, i kind of want to like get down and and uh watch a lot more black and white movies myself too it, it's a it's a nice way and a lot of them talk about where it's like the contrast of like you you have like the the different shades of gray and the black mm -hmm. and white and stuff and the shadows kind of like make a di big difference in, in shooting with black and white Yeah, and just yeah, how it reacts with light is beautiful. Like, I don't know if you've already watched it. I, I know this is a totally different movie than what we're discussing right now, but Lighthouse is like that. No, I gotta watch that one too with uh, Willem Dafoe in it. Willem Dafoe. Yeah, and, and uh, Robert Pattinson. Yeah, yeah. That like the way they shot that all black and white, on location. It's it's really nice. Even at night, the way it's shot is really nice. Wow. And that well, that that's, that probably is another movie that we're gonna have to put on our list too. <laughs> but you were asking what I disliked, right? Yes. I think it was. I can't say I fully disliked it, but the amount of dialogue, like because there was none. I I think I'm so used to movies now where they 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 make the the viewer feel unintelligent to a certain extent because they give so much dialogue they basically explain the story to you as it's occurring but this movie was like like you said 
the director writer wanted you to figure out or you have your own interpretation of the film which isn't typical nowadays true true like nowadays you you, you kind of lose that interpretation of things where it's like yeah they're giving you everything and mm -hmm. you're not coming out of a movie nowadays thinking or like having a long discussion anything. yeah questioning what you saw or like or you can watch them nowadays you can't watch a movie with like five different people and get five different perspectives like a lot of times the movie gives you yeah. exactly what that perspective is but a lot of it can can be lost where it's like you like do you do people often miss uh, a, a a good movie or quote unquote what a good movie is when there's not a lot of stuff being fed to them like with Eraserhead there's not a lot <laughs> being told to the audience in terms of what's going on in this in this kind of I'm going to keep going back to random series of events <laughs> <laughs> I think so I think there's been so like there's so many movies that come out every year and a lot of them go overlooked but you can find gems like there's so many movies out there that a lot of people don't talk about like people talk about the big name movies the superhero movies the action movies but there's so many like indie films and uh feature films from like first time directors that turn out to be amazing that you have to almost go on a hunt for to find and watch and then you find out like oh this is amazing why is no one talking about this yeah that's true do you, you like Nowadays, you don't have a lot of people kind of taking uh, a a risk, and and granted, David Lynch in this movie is taking risks with like having a low budget or making do with what they got. Uh, even nowadays, I'm assuming yeah. that like even if you have a high budget, you can still. I'm assuming none of us are filmmakers, uh, but you can take more calculated risks where you try out something different in a in a movie and and. And you shouldn't be wor too worried whether or not it works. But um, nowadays, you don't see that too often where it's like there's a lot of high budget, yeah. big budget films where it's like, no, you're going to make exactly what's on the paper. And because we need the money to recuperate back our money. Uh, and so, like, I guess I guess you you would see a lot of directors, especially with the Marvel movies and stuff, the, the somewhat cookie cutter where it's like the you wonder what the director does it's like in or the cinematographer mm -hmm. where it's like do do they just have a template that they're using and here you go yeah, they just just make it look like iron man or make it look like uh captain america out there or <laughs> or black panther so it's probably yeah. a copy and paste <laughs> right you never know yeah we already <laughs> so have all like these colors rendered like, let me just copy there's no point paste. of having a different director you just have taika watiti yeah. like coming in like all right here's your here's your movie and Taika's probably like, what do I do with yeah, this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I think you're right. Like, because you can look at a lot of the indie, like low budget films, there these people are willing to take risks. And it may not work because they they have that hunger to be like, okay, if this works, amazing. If it doesn't, ah, I'll be right where I'm at. True. And I will do another movie and take another risk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and until they They're just find, having fun with it. Yeah, until they find their niche where you see mm -hmm. it's kind of nice seeing like these like great directors or cinematographers like like David Lynch, where you you, you know their their current filmography, but then like you go back to their 
their first film or their their short short films and stuff and you see yeah. where they started to and it's almost like like us naturally in our own lives or you make mistakes or you you try something out and you see if it works you throw the sp- spaghetti mm-hmm. in the wall and see if it sticks um and so you you start to try these things and you, you notice that with a lot of the directors that and granted are they more able to do that because it's like oh you're just making a film with like ten thousand dollars it's whatever but when you get kind of like more into the game, do you limit your kind of character or you limit your style because of high budget, because of people had like this certain expectation of you now? Well, you mentioned you mentioned one of like the newer directors that's getting a lot of recognition, like Tycho if you watch you can go back and watch his his shorts that he won awards for and his early films and you can see how he's gradually become who he is now and a, he takes a lot of it like he takes a lot of what he did early on to his his current films which is great so i think it's that fine line like dialing back uh your style just enough where it can still kind of be shown but not overpowering of a movie True. And you see that same thing with like Wes Anderson, where it's like Wes yeah. Anderson did a very low budget, bought a rocket style film mm-hmm. and then but still continues to carry on that style, even into uh, an animation style or like stop motion style film into other films yeah. that have the same characters and different things. And and yeah, it it's 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 interesting to kind of see directors and and cinematographers and crew members just like finding their stride and then seeing as to how they continue to keep keep with their own interpretation of what films can be and so it would be interesting to kind of keep keep watching david lynch down the road and uh seeing as to more more of his movies and stuff and and uh seeing as to like how his character has developed as a director but then also like refined i guess is like another way to kind of how do you refine your your filmmaking abilities Mm -hmm. well should we ask the final question (laughs) yeah let's do it our final question is typically uh would you add this eraser head by david lynch to your film collection I wouldn't. I didn't hate it. I love the, I love the fact that it was his first film. He was taking risks, uh, risks, and uh, it turned out well for him because we we're still talking about the movie after all these years. But it's not one that I would I would add. What about you? Same. It was funny because right right before we decided to watch uh, Eraserhead for this for this podcast. I was going to buy it off the Criterion Collection. I was going to buy mm-hmm. a movie I've seen already, and then I was going to buy a movie I've never seen. So Eraserhead was on in my in, in my shopping cart, and I was going to press the purchase button. Uh, now, after watching it, probably, <laughs> I probably won't make that decision. <laughs> uh, I'm going to find some, some other movie that I'm going to uh, take a calculated risk on. Uh, I'm not, yeah, like you said, I'm not, upset that i watched it i'm not 
I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I watched this this film and then yeah. can move on with it and kind of like have a discussion about it. But I'm I'm not going to be too concerned that it's not in my 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 uh, personal film collection. It's in my personal film collection of like my letterbox uh, application yeah. or the my profile or in my mind. Yes, maybe ten years <laughs> down the road, someone asked me, "Have you ever seen that that David Lynch movie with called Eraserhead?" And I'm going to be able to say yes. But <laughs> am I going to watch it again? Probably never again. Um, yeah, unless someone that's wants a one and done. Yeah. Yeah. Unless someone wants to watch it and they've never seen it and they're like, you've seen it. You want to watch it again? Maybe. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I probably I also probably wouldn't put it in my film collection myself either. Even if even if I was going to decide like, oh, I want to like have it in my film collection. And just because I want to know I, I I've seen it or whatever. It's like ah, that, that. No, this one. I'm all right with that. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very interesting film. <laughs> yes. Yes. It shows what a unique view of the world. Someone with a re- unique view of the world can make with a camera and $10,000. Yeah, it, it really shows you that making a movie is can be difficult, but it's fairly achievable, I guess, if you want to. It, you don't need $10,000 yeah. to make a film for yourself. If anybody uh, wants to make a film, I think this shows you that you can make a fairly innovative, uh, a thought-provoking film with no money and just a few friends around you and just... Uh, uh, like. You can just put it together and show it to the world if you want to. Nowadays, we can show it to the world and put it on YouTube and everything and and uh, get some views and stuff. So I think I think any young yeah. filmmaker can aspire to like making to make an innovative film, even knowing that if they have no money, we have we have film cameras sitting in our pockets all the time now with with our fancy phones. So it's possible. Mm-hmm. all right well uh kai you want to take us out yeah uh thanks for joining us for another episode of saturday night popcorn i'm kai and i'm jason and we'll be right back next week for another one thank you thanks <laughs>